0: Buenos dias. Hi, my name is Clark Van Deventer, and welcome to the podcast, Dealing with 40. Just like that, I'm 40, and I've had a really hard time with hitting this mile marker in line. Well, not so much a hard time, it's just that I've spent a lot of time processing where I'm at compared to where I thought I'd be and thinking about what the road ahead looks like. To help me in that process, I'm interviewing men and women who've climbed a little higher. And I don't necessarily mean higher as in the ladder of success, although a lot of these people I'm talking to have climbed pretty high on that proverbial ladder of success. But what I mean is they're just older, all right? They've climbed a little higher. And these are interesting and thoughtful people, people I respect, and I am interested in their perspective. I want them to tell me what they see. So this is like the ultimate personal development project, and through the podcast, you get to go on the journey with me. All right, today on the show, today, my guest is Todd Voss. Dr. Todd Voss is the president of Southern Wesleyan University. All right, here's what I love about Todd Voss. For this podcast, I went to the Southern Wesleyan University website thinking I would find a really impressive bio of Dr. Voss listing all of his academic achievements, the impact he's had at Southern Wesleyan as president, the achievement, the buildings built, the money raised, and I couldn't find it. I'm pretty sure it doesn't exist. This guy is a quiet, unassuming leader. All right, when I first met Dr. Todd Voss, he was the vice president for student development at Indiana Wesleyan University. I was an 18-year-old freshman. Voss was incredibly student focused. He was also driven, always focused on both qualitative and quantitative growth. At one time I asked him to formally mentor me and for almost two years we had lunch every Thursday. He would later serve as executive vice president at IWU and we remained friends after I left, but after he ended up leaving for Southern Westland we lost touch a bit. Two years ago As I was going through what I call my own personal dark night of the soul, I reached back out to him, and after years of not talking, he was incredibly gracious with his time and really leaned in and was a great help to me. Uh, We've stayed in more touch since then, loosely, and I'm excited to continue our conversation today. All right, so Todd, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Clark. It's a delight to be with you today. It really is.
0: All right. So we've talked, um, a bit, we spent, we spent a lot of time over the years talking about this. Um, but you know, I've been sort of struggling with this whole dealing with 40 thing and evaluating my life. And I'm just going to ask, did you deal with this at all at 40?
1: (laughs) That's a great question. Um, no, I, I, I have to say I didn't because I never realized I hit it. Like, I was so engrossed in what I was doing and and hanging around young people Uh whole life. So I never really went through any kind of a crisis moment or anything. I I noticed that some of my friends were like buying sports cars. And and I was saying, What's wrong with these people? What is it? You know, they should spend that money on students,
0: right? (laughs) It's kind of
1: an interesting thing. And I look back now and I realize that even today, um, I don't feel like I know what my age is, but I don't feel my age. And I, I feel like I've got a lot to give and contribute yet. And of course, you know, me, I've got more ideas than I'll probably ever do in my lifetime, but <laughs> I just try to spin as many plates as I can and get as much done as I can. And I think because of that, I don't really think about the clock. I don't yeah. think about time. Uh, I do, I do reminisce, but I really don't think about those moments, you know, those landmark moments like this. So... But, but
0: a goal-oriented person is typically, typically puts some deadline on a goal.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think that is true. Um, and I do have deadlines on some goals. Uh-huh. It's a little odd, in the sense that uh, I recognize that uh, my plans are ne- not necessarily God's plans, and right. so um, I. I develop ideas and goals and, uh, and I try to innovate and, and everything from programs and services to buildings and so forth. And, uh, and, I, and I have multiple things going at the same time and I don't know which one is mm. gonna click. But often when I look back, I realize if I hadn't done that, I probably would have missed the mark and there wouldn't have been a, there wouldn't have been a door that opened at the right time and allow that particular goal to be realized. So, uh, so for me, you know, the timeline. Sometimes, if I put one on, I, it's an artificial deadline. Yeah, necessarily something that I, I'm just going to believe that it's just going to happen at that point. Um, so many things, especially if you think uh, deep and you think out there, um, they don't happen quickly. And it's not just the academy. I'm just talking about generally in life. They they don't happen as quickly as you'd like them to. You. And that's because other things have to align for those things to even be successful. I I can tell you, I've pushed sometimes on a program or an idea and I've Uh actually pushed it and it's fizzled because it was so far ahead of its time. It wasn't even like understood by anybody. And I'm going, wow, don't you get this? But see, I've been thinking about it for five years. Um, So I've learned a little bit to be patient with this and let, uh, let God kind of move it. And then at the right time, it seems to launch.
0: So, talk to me uh, it's funny right when you meet, when you're 18 year old college student and you meet somebody every there's this like i have no idea if someone's 35 or 65 <laughs> you know right. what I mean?
1: yeah so absolutely
0: i'm trying to think <laughs> how what where were you what were you doing when you turned 40
1: yeah so i was uh, uh i was at uh indiana wesleyan uh huh I was one of the youngest um, uh, vice presidents there for several years. Uh, As a matter of fact, when I joined the team, I looked at the team and I thought, uh, I can't believe they're even going to accept me into this group. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, and so, you know, when I turned uh, 40, my wife had done one of these um, surprise deals on campus, all my, uh, all the people that reported to me and everyone in my team we had this uh they had a cake and all this kind of stuff and they made up this reason why i was supposed to go to this room and <laughs> you know and, that, you know, and it was supposed to be a big hairy deal and and uh when i when i walked around the corner i didn't realize it was for me i thought i was gonna hide just like they were hiding <laughs> it turns out that it's like ah you know and then balloons black balloons and everything <laughs> and uh and i'm thinking what's this all about, you know? So it took me a little while to get oriented. And then once I did, I realized, oh, this is a big deal to them. But to be honest, it wasn't a big deal to me. The next day was just the next day. I mean, I didn't, yeah. it wasn't like one of those significant emotional events that. So probably, so you, but
0: you were, like, you were vice president at Indiana Westland University, right? So talk yeah. to me about your, so which, which is like, you know, hey, having vice president in your title sounds pretty nice. Um, Talk to me about your expectations for your life when you were young, when you were 18, 20, 22 years old. What were your expectations for your life?
1: Yeah. So now that goes back to a little bit of, <clears throat> the, um, you know, you are what you were, right? So um, I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional family and um, and it was a professional family, but, um, and because of that, so many things got hidden uh, because of that. yeah maybe embarrassment it was at a time when there wasn't a lot of acceptance of um, you know my mother was an alcoholic and and used uh, prescription medication' used it and and so <clears throat> that was kind of a normal thing for me uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, I had some friends that were going through the same thing with their families, but nobody really ever talked about it um, but because of that, you kind of grow up as a as an independent uh, self sustainer Uh, because no one's really caring for you. You just sort of have to learn to care for yourself. Um, But I never really had um, many people come alongside me that said, uh, you're going to make it, Uh, you're, Mm -hmm. you're capable. Um, And I don't fault anybody for that. It's just, you know, so, you know, my hair got pretty long and I played the guitar and people thought, okay, this guy's going to be a loser his whole life. And, uh, and so I hadn't even planned to go to college. I mean, I had no real impetus, no push from anybody to do so. And um, and ended up working then after high school, you um, know, in a, in a uh, distribution warehouse. And, um, and I thought that my goal really was pretty simple. I was, I was a skier. I would love yeah. and I was actually a ski instructor and um, and then I also like to scuba dive and I, I learned scuba diving when I was like 13 years old and went through, got certified and all of that. So I thought, you know, a diving ski shop kind of a thing, you know, where you can handle the summer and the winter. And yeah, it's two things I really enjoyed. So, well, I didn't have any idea that you really probably ought to have a degree in business or at least some kind of mentoring. And so I'm trying to make this money at this at this plant and um and I start to talk to people just like you're doing with this, this thing you're doing. And yeah, and I said, uh, so what were you thinking when you were young and how did you end up here? Well, it turned out that everybody else had aspirations, kind of like what I had. Yeah. Open your own entrepreneurial shop, business, whatever. And, uh, and here they were. And they were now 60 years old, still working in the same job at the same plant. Mm-hmm. Scared me to yeah. death.
0: I yeah. mean, I thought, wow. oh, no. It's wow. not just
1: about making money and realizing your dreams.
0: So you realized you needed to change your trajectory. Oh, huge.
1: Yeah, yeah. huge. So, uh, so I quit that. Um, I went to a uh, to community college my first two years and tried to figure out what I was going to do. Uh, I discovered I wasn't stupid. Um, when I went mm. to college, I finally started to apply some things and uh, ended up going to Michigan State University. And, and uh, from that point on, I really started to have some goals, some plans, some thoughts about what I ought to do. So it's an interesting thing where, you know, when you're young, I don't know, you feel like you're going to live forever, right? So you don't really worry about it much, but boy, when you finally start getting into college and people start asking you questions like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? And you go, how about tomorrow? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So uh, interesting, right?
0: But at 40, you're vice president at IWU. You've... You, you just feel like, man, I've been, uh, I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm where I, I, I've i kept putting one foot in front of the other, and this is where those steps have taken me, and, and you just, you feel good, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I really felt at that point, I had been clearly directed to that. Uh-huh. Uh, I was pre-med at, at Michigan State, psych, a psychology uh, major, uh, pre-med minor, and and I planned to go to medical school. I worked uh, for a year after I graduated from college uh, at Keebler Cookie Company and mm-hmm. I was an elf for a year and, and <laughs> I went through that whole process of reorganizing myself in terms of, is this really what I wanna do in terms of med school or not? And ended up then finally going to grad school in counseling. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and from there, uh, I was, just got married and, and Julie and I were so poor I mean, we were just, we were like, there's poor students, and then there's that, we mm-hmm. that. We, I mean, we, when, when McDonald's had a sale and buy a quarter pounder, get one free, we would, we would buy one and freeze the other one for a future meal. <laughs> <laughs> we cut that quarter pounder up into small sections we could and just take for our time to eat it. Because to that, that was luxury to us. We were, and I kept thinking, there's got to be something better than this. And that's how I got into student life, because they were looking for a resident director. I was a graduate assistant and Julie had a part-time job. And uh, so I, I applied and I got a job as a resident director, in a quite a large complex. And they gave us an apartment. That,
0: that's right, free housing, right? <laughs>
1: yes, and meals in the cafeteria. <laughs> we thought we had hit the big one. I mean, this is something else. But then that's when I fell in love with students. And I fell in love with this whole idea of what developing students is about. And from there, it's, you just don't look back, right? Because you, you get into that and it becomes who you are. It's part of your DNA. So when I became a VP, um, I was a dean at another school. And then I finally ended up in Indiana as the vice president in student life. And that to me was kind of the, that was it. That's where I was going to be. And, uh, and loving every day and impacting students and watching them grow. And when they graduate, you know, you just realize what they were like when they came and what they are now. It's just amazing. So, um, and that does keep you young too, honestly, it does, because it's, you're always changing and always into that next generational trend.
0: For me, um, like the, like 40s, I, I was just like looking, I mean, when I was 35, I wrote down a list of things I wanted to accomplish before I was 40. And, and the year before my 40th birthday, like my, on my 39th birthday, I'm like looking at the list going, I have a deadline coming up because this is the way that I look at goals. Like My goals have deadlines, and there's a certain place huh. I should be by this time. And so, for me, 40 became this, like, very dreaded, um, oh, my gosh, I'm not where I'm supposed to be on the track. Right? If I'm running a race, like, I was supposed to be at this mile marker by this time, and I'm not sure. there. Uh, so I'm just... Well, I think about you as such a goal-oriented person and such a driven person to, to hear you talk about, um, life and aging it totally, almost, it sounds oblivious to, <laughs> to how much, how old you are. It, it's just, it's just shocking to me.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I can say that, um. I I am very goal driven and I know you are, (laughs) but but they're not, they're not personal goals. They're professional Uh goals, but not my own like trajectory professional. It's for wherever I'm working. So it's, you know, like, for example, I have a list in front of me now of the things that I want to, I want to accomplish here at Southern Wesleyan. And, and uh, we just, we just, got notification last week of one of them that I wanted to accomplish. I wanted to get us into health sciences. And so we just got accredited for nursing and Mm -hmm. it it was a five year project, five year project, but it was a, it was a, it was a professional goal for the institution and I pour my life into this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So it isn't like I have a, like, I want to build an arc and that's my, that's my personal goal. Right. It's that I want to build this arc for this institution And, um, and so that's why I guess my wife always tells me, um, you know, everything you do, you seem to be doing for students and for the institution. Um, And, you know, what should you be doing for yourself? That is honestly, Clark, a very scary question. Um, What should I be doing for myself? Because I have poured myself into what I do. It's almost my identity uh, in life. uh, Because Mm -hmm. Because I already have my identity so secured in Christ that I feel like I can, I can be I have been given these tools and I should use these tools now to honor him in this kind of work. Now, you could say, well, what if you were in a secular work? I would still try to do it, but it'd be a lot harder, right? Uh-huh. So I can really be myself in this kind of environment and pour into students. So, How many hours a week do you work? Yeah, you know, uh, that's a great question. Uh, my wife would know the answer to that. <laughs> it's it's probably in the range of uh 12 hours a day i would guess yeah um and then but i really do i do i do sabbath well mm-hmm. it gave me a long time to do that but i do that well and saturdays um i'll often come in for a little while but not all day and then it is a project of some sort that is typically and this is going to sound terrible but it's typically either for this institution or uh, it's for, you know, my daughter or my grandkids or something, you know, where I'm, so, I'm, a, I'm a woodworker. I like to build stuff. So
0: you're, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with work,
1: right? Uh, oh, I think it's, I think it's a God. I mean, he created us for this, right? He right. This okay. meaningful
0: work, right? So how did you, so you work 12 hours a day now. And I'm like, when I, what some people hear 12 hours a day. They're like, oh my gosh, she's a workaholic. Right. And it's like, but you're spending 12 hours a day doing what you love. Who, so. Well, who cares? You're, you're happy. Yeah. You love, right? Yeah, yeah. What about, when yeah, your yeah. Kids were younger? what about when your kids were younger?
1: Yeah, I really tried to be more careful, but you know, my my son, when he was born, I was just starting my doctorate, so that creates a real challenge, because I was working full-time, working on my doctorate, and so it means I would, after work, I would be either in class or in the library um, doing research and writing and so forth, so So what we did was we identified, uh, Saturday was, uh, I I really was the first one at the door and the last one when they kicked me out. Uh, Hmm. And twice closed on that campus at about five o'clock on Saturday. So so Saturday night was always uh, reserved for uh, me and my son and Uh would just do just all kinds of crazy stuff. And he looked forward to it, I looked forward to it. And then Sunday I would do some reading, but I really tried again protect the Sabbath, and then we would always do a picnic or bike riding or something as a family. Um, so, but it comes out of your hide. There's no question. Yeah. That is probably, as I look back, if I could have redone that, um, you know, I probably would have tried to spend more time with, with Julie and my son Matt at that point, but uh, I was so driven to get this thing done because, you know, I everyone I talked to was ABD. They were never finishing these things, and I thought... Yeah. I Not going to be ADD I'm going to finish this thing it took me five years but I got it so we
0: we we like we use that phrase a lot like oh I I, if I could have done it differently I would have done this we use it all like all these different 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 settings but it seems like it what worked out worked out
1: (laughs) right like yeah absolutely because I mean this my son's fantastic dad and you know, he actually, from the woodworking that I used to do, he's picked it up now and he's really enjoying it as a hobby. And, uh, you know, so there's, you know, and we're close. So it didn't seem to have a huge, like, negative impact. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, and yet, uh, here he is now, he's working on his doctorate. So there was that inspirational piece, too, where it's like, oh, you know, um, it's in the family now. So... I can achieve this too. So, uh, so that gives me a lot of pride for him, you know?
0: All right. So you spend a lot of, you have always spent a lot of time at work. All right. Whether that was a student, right? Um, Yeah. Or, or or now. Um, So there's that line, nobody says in their deathbed that they'd wish they'd spent more time at work. Right. Um, But is that a thing that, that like whole expression, is that a thing? Because they spend a lot of time at work, all right? And what I mean, what I, here's what I'm getting at. Is, is it possible, all right, that if I spend a lot of time relaxing and hanging out and traveling with my family, is it possible that I'm, I am going to get to the end of my life and say that I
1: wish I had spent more time at work? Ha! You know, it goes back to the whole conversation of meaningful work. I mean, uh-huh. the work you're doing is it is it a calling, right? Or is it a job? And uh, like I do all the hiring here for faculty and administrators and so forth, and I've made uh-huh. that a commitment because who we hire is the most important decision we make. And uh, and I always try to, try to discern: is this person applied to this role because it's a job and they uh-huh. need income, or because they've been called to minister here, um, right? They've been called to minister. It's no longer a job. Right. It's vocation and mm-hmm. it's calling. So the sense of of there's purpose behind this. And I want to be part of the kingdom in that purpose. Now, I'm, I'm just one eye or one foot or one hand um, in that. But if you don't have that eye or foot or hand, it, the work isn't going to get done. And the kingdom is not going to be advanced. So in my sense, then, I look at work. As a ministry, and as as the way that I'm giving to God, um, back what He has given to me, and uh, mm-hmm. the difference in this world for Him. So, so yeah. So, is it work then? And so, will I look back and say I, I should have spent more time with family. No, I, I can never. I can't imagine me saying that. Uh, am I going to say I should have spent more time at work? No, I've, I'm spending a good amount of time. At work. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. You're you're happy.
0: You're happy with the balance that you've struck right yeah absolutely yeah but my question is like i i guess i'm trying to make sure that I, I i i don't end up saying the opposite yeah i hear you yeah so i it's funny i don't um i don't even watch sports but i read sports storylines because i i find them interesting so kevin garnett who is this great basketball player i remember when he was i remember this when he was drafted he was like a he was um, like an 18, 19 year old kid when he was drafted, and I remember what he said. And I, I barely watch basketball, but I remember what he said. He said, a, "A terrible thing, potential. A lot of guys have potential written on their gravestone." And and I was I thought it was a neat thing for a 18 year old person to say when they had just been drafted by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Wow. And, and I. Sometimes I, I fear that that's what's going to be written on my gravestone, potential. Like I had potential, and I never really cultivated it and forced myself to make the most of myself.
1: Yeah, so that goes back to that thing we've talked about before, and that is, um, are, you, are you listening and following what God's asking you to do? Right, right. Because you're on this earth for a reason. Mm -hmm. All of us are. And when you start saying the word potential, Mm. my definition of that is, are you doing what God's asking you to do? And Mm -hmm. if you are, you've already um, uh, met that milestone. You've already met your potential because he's giving you the tools to do what he's asked you to do. So then you don't question it anymore. You don't wonder, yeah, can I do more or whatever? Because you're doing what he's asking you to do. So what, when I talk to people about their, their I mean, this is the term, right? Wasted potential, right? Mm-hmm. That, um, And usually they're talking about a young person at that point. At all, <laughs> right? And yeah. usually it's a mom or a dad. <laughs> um, but you think to yourself, well, it certainly isn't wasted if they're young. Um, yeah. Yeah still have to learn the tools in the toolbox, you know, right. how to make the most out of that plan. Um, now, if they, you know, obviously get into drugs and start messing their life up and so forth. Well, that probably is a good term for that because uh-huh. design them for a purpose and they're literally just wasting it. They're just, they're just burning it up. And uh, that's a sad commentary. And uh, unfortunately that happens um, but the neat thing about human, the human nature is if you have any introspection at all um, and you start questioning, you know, your own motives and perspectives and what should I be doing with my life uh, and you discover that God has this plan for you, then you're really on that potential highway and mm-hmm. it's, it's nothing to worry about anymore. So, so I did talk to somebody um, recently about family and, and they spend a lot of time with their family and it's fantastic. And they said, "Well, I just hope, though, that um, you know that my potential in my in my you know professional uh, employment that uh, that I'm not missing opportunities." Yeah. And, and I thought, "Oh, that's an interesting that's an interesting thing that would I choose my family over opportunities?" <laughs> and I said, "Hey, you know, is your family doing well? Yeah. You doing well? Yeah. Okay. So I would say that you're probably not." Missing opportunities because your number one thing, Uh, uh, you know, well, God and then family. um, You know, I think you're probably doing pretty well. Are you getting in trouble at work? No. Mm -hmm. Are your ideas out there? Yeah. Well, then, quit worrying about it. You know, uh, keep because your path will change. I mean, it it will as your kids get older and you have more time. All of a sudden, you're going to find yourself working on things that you never thought you'd be working on. Right. Uh, So he was really encouraged by that. He said, "Oh wow, okay." So just listen and pay attention. I said, that's it. That's the, that is so critical in this process.
0: Talk to me about the difference between the 20... I don't know your exact age, but I have an idea. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about the, the difference between the 20 years, um, between 20 and 40, and the 20 years between 40 and 60. Same amount of time, but I... I have a feeling <laughs> there's there they're quite different. What's the difference in the time?
1: Yeah. So the the difference in the time um, is that between twenty and forty, um, you're you're so much in the development stage, and you and you end up making a lot of um, a lot of mistakes. You don't think they're mistakes at the time. You think you're being decisive. Or, yeah insightful <laughs> everybody else is stupid i mean there's just this there's this stuff that goes on between 20 and 40 it's like oh man, if i could run this organization it'd be so different right and um and then you get people meet like my age now watching those people saying that stuff you remember i used to say that stuff right um But then between 40 and 60, what you're doing is you're deploying things in a different way. You've learned some stuff and you're going, wow, I mean, what was I thinking? This is (laughs) so much more complicated than I thought it was. I I thought it was one person. And in essence, it's a machine. Mm -hmm. that tinker with this one sprocket over here, Um, all of a sudden, three areas of the machine get broken, and you go, well, how did that happen? Well, if you had had any insight, you would have seen it happen before you touched the sprocket. So, um, so um, I think it's that, it, it's all, obviously, you know, this whole developmental process is all a design, but, you know, 40 to 60, those are the years where um people turn into either uh, people that have a hard time making a decision because they get scared, uh-huh. realize oh my goodness, there's so many moving parts here. How in the world am I going to do this? Or they've learned from their previous experience and they go, okay, no, I just need a little more data. I'm not going to ask the world of data. I'm just going to need a little more. Yeah. I'm not going to be paralyzed, but I'm going to make some decisions. And it turns out that instead of four out of 10 decisions when you're 20 to 40 at work, you get eight out of 10 decisions that are working. how mm-hmm. oh, in the world did that happen? And it's just called wisdom. It's, it's mm-hmm. that. God, thing called wisdom. And wisdom is the application of previous experiences and also God's anointing, and you start making better decisions. So now you notice I said eight out of 10 because I've never met a person that's gotten nine out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> eight out of 10 is maybe the best we're going to get, but uh, <laughs> still make hairbrain. I mean, it's like you got to be kidding me. And usually when you look back, it's because your emotions got involved with that thing, whatever it was, you know. So then you mess it up.
0: As As someone who's interacting with and influencing young people um, who are in their quote unquote formative years, what's the what would you say is the biggest difference in the hopes that you have for their life in terms of how you view success versus the hopes they have for their lives and the
1: way they view success? Yeah, you mean about like in particular Generation Z, the the group we have now. You no, to-
0: I, I I mean, oh okay, well that that okay yeah. Let's let's do that first. Okay, all right. The the, I mean the current generation, but just over the course of your career, you you have been working with people. You you you're, here here you are. You're meeting. You're having lunch with me. I'm 21 years old, right? Yeah. And, and I want to be successful. You can see that. You saw that in me when I was 21 years old. I wanted to be successful. That's why I saw you got to, to have lunch with you, right? Sure. I wanted, sure. And and um and you know Clark wants to be successful. Clark's driven. And I had goals for my life, right? Oh but yeah. What were how would you say your hopes and desires for me in terms of how I would view success were were different than what Probably I was thinking
1: yeah because you I think you know at that age you but also students today and students of the past um, think it's more switches um, than it is wiring so um, so it's about turning the right switches on to create success um, versus install the right wiring so that you can mm-hmm. have all of these connections and learning that can happen, and then you change so when I talk to students today, um, now they 're more idealistic today than they were than, than the past generation was millennials, but mm-hmm. needless to say they're, they're, they think there are some some very quick fixes, and it 's that why doesn 't anyone do this you know it 's just not as hard and um, and so what I try to instill in them is, is that you know i i love that and i love the idealism and that's wonderful and i want you to remain idealistic because mm-hmm. colleges are just destroying idealism they're just destroying young people's ideas you know they come in and they say i want to do an orphanage in chicago and i want to make a difference and and you know faculty and staff on most colleges are just like okay pass math <laughs> don't talk to me about the orphanage pass. And it's like, what? And, and then they don't get, and then they turn into the realists. And then suddenly they go, well, I don't know. I mean, there's not, not much one person can really do. Um, but they but they also still have these aspirations and they think, okay, maybe if it's just these switches, I'm just not hitting the right switches. So, so what I've tried to do is invest in students. Number one, I wanna encourage their idealism. I wanna encourage them to think big because if you don't have it big enough, uh, then God can't do it, right? It's just mm-hmm. too small. Yeah. Big. Um, so I want to encourage the bigness of their ideas. And so that that actually is exciting for young people to think that, that somebody older is telling them, no, 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 don't make it so simple. Think big, think uh-huh. big. Um, and then the second thing I think uh, sort of related to this whole conversation is that Then it's about, and you know it's going to take time. And, of course, they hate hearing that, Clark. They just, it's like, oh, you sound like my dad, you know. (laughs) Time. Why does it have to take time? Because God has got to season you. He has to prepare you. And for him, time is nothing. And you're putting everything into one basket and say, you know, I want to get this done by here and here, and I want to know these people, and pretty soon, you know. I'm going to own Tesla, you know. I mean, whatever. And so right. now it just takes it takes time, and the time is not just the skill set development or the character development. It's the people development. It's the it's the connections, and that's one of the things that I always admired about you is that you were able to start creating connections faster than your skill set. Mm-hmm. You know, wow, you get to know all these people, and they love you and they want to help you. Um, but they can only help you when you can help yourself too, right? So, so this, all these things have to work together for growth to occur. So yeah, I answered that very well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, it's interesting that, that just the time, the the time factor, right? The uh, here I am at forty, and I thought that. I would have I thought that I would have achieved so much more by now, right? Yeah. And, but then I'm starting to realize how long life is. That at 40, here I am talking to you. How old are you? 65. You're 65. Like yeah. and I I think, "Oh my gosh, like and and you're you're working 12 hours a day and and not because you have to, because you want to and and i'm like wow i I still have some time right like oh yeah i i think when you're 18 40 feels like a long way off and then you're 40 and you're like wow i still i still have another 25 years until i'm um the same age as todd Voss. now i 25 years is quite a quite a long time to get
1: some stuff done yeah and more is going to happen in those 25 years that has happened i'm talking about Personal development, mm-hmm. professional growth, professional development, um, and then accomplishment than has happened in the previous twenty five years. Well,
0: what I'm what I'm really hoping for in all these interviews mm-hmm. is that everyone, because I turned forty in March, <coughs> I, I, I'm really hoping that everyone's going to go. Clark, it was right about the age of forty one that everything came together, and ah. everything made
1: sense. <laughs> well, things do open up, though. I mean, you know, you're in a. It's just a Perfect age, right? So, and that is so true. When I look back at age forty, man, things were opening up big time. I mean, opportunities. I mean, you're you're young enough where you can just do about anything, go anywhere, and you're old enough where people believe you can do it. So, it's great. I, had
0: a, I had a previous interview. Uh, Rick Soto said that that uh, forty is the old age of youth and 60 is the youth of old age. Yeah, yeah, that's a great quote. Love that. Um, but yeah, I definitely, 40, yeah. It, it's funny, the youth the youth is, is dwindling, I guess. But the, um, uh, I'm, I'm the, you, I, I guess I do have a little more wisdom, a little, at least I'm trying to listen more than I used to. <laughs> there you go, yeah. I, I had uh, this experience a while back, it was like three times in a week, I realized that the course of action I should have taken in a, on a particular decision, someone had, had, someone had advised me to take that that course. So I, here I am, I, I look and I, I realize I made a wrong decision, I should have chosen something different and somebody else had actually advised me to take that different path right Ew. and yeah. and i had not listened to them cuz i thought that i was smarter right mm-hmm. and and i was like wow i should have listened to them right like they were they were absolutely right <laughs>
1: and
0: and it was like it happening three times in one week it was such this this um like smack in the face like clark you need to listen more at least at least uh consider that the thing that someone is saying to you might actually
1: be right. Yeah. 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 That's good. I think, you know, we've talked before about um, when, when you actually begin to celebrate conflict and Uh and in the negative results of decisions you've made or uh, circumstances that are around you that um, you knew you had a part in and, and there are these sort of negative sides to that. Um, those are the best ways to learn i mean i i hardly I hardly talk to anybody ever that says uh, yeah my life 's great, and nothing has ever gone bad and i 've learned so much from that i, I don 't think so <laughs> in that way you know' it 's the mistakes and the difficulties and the and the uh, sort of ab- abbreviated relationships because of conflict and all that stuff. We learn so much about ourselves if we apply it. And then that 's how we get seasoned, and that 's how we get ready for the next step so uh, so yeah, when people pray for you know a smooth life, I think uh, that's going to be a pretty boring one because you're you're really not going to grow at all
0: um, uh, I've, I've never read the uh, a biography of a of a great leader, great human being or or a novel of this a great novel with this great lead character whose life was this single upward trajectory right that's right there's there's nuance there's struggle there's dark nights of the soul and um and so yeah when you embrace that and and you go all right what's this teaching me like bring it on right that's yeah i i've used that mantra myself in my own life right like God, no matter where, just for the ride, like let's go. Like, what are you what are you trying to accomplish here? I'm in. I don't want a smooth path. Right? Like whatever it's going to take to make me the person that you want me to be, like, let's go. I'm in.
1: Yeah.
0: You know? Uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, not, not, not a smooth path. It, even even like with current with current affairs, right? When you talk yeah. about it'd be easy to say, God, please help our world get over this coronavirus. God please help our world these riots to stop right and for us to to get back to quote unquote normal a smooth sailing life i don't want a smooth sailing life i i i want um i want something more right i i want yeah. um whatever it is uh christ likeness or um justice or truth or to, to fulfill God's calling in my life, right? Right, yeah. Good sales.
1: Yeah, and it, and, it, and because we live in a sinful world, I mean, we're going to have trials and difficulties. And so uh, when you see difficulties in the world around us, you realize that, okay, this is a moment in time where things actually now have a chance to get better. Um, mm-hmm. Smooth life doesn't mean anything's getting better. It's just, yeah. it's there, you know? So, uh, yeah. You know, there- the interview questions I ask Clark uh, of every candidate um, that applies here uh, face-to-face and I just say now I'd like you to tell me about um, a valley experience in your life one of those times when you felt completely abandoned by God Mm. and uh, how did you make it through that and what did you learn Mm. And it is amazing to me the bumps and bruises and things that have happened to people that have made them who they are and they typically have tears when they tell that story. Um, so I have Kleenex available, because I know what <laughs> happens. But every once in a while, I'll get somebody that will hem and haw and say, I, I just, I can't think of anything where, and you know what? I don't hire those people. Yeah. I just don't, because uh, they're not gonna help our students. They're, they haven't been there. And so our, so many of our students are coming through already, yet at a young age, trials and difficulties. And uh, I want to make sure that people on this campus uh, have experienced that as well, so that we can walk with our students and not judge them.
0: Right, is that just like, you, you want to hire empathetic people? Yeah, yep. Yeah, not judgmental people? Mhm. So. Higher Ed's got plenty of judgment. We don't need any more of that, so yeah all right well i can't tell you how much uh it means to me to every time i get to sit back and talk with you and just listen to you and and the the, there's conversations that we've had over the years and they're lines that just stay with me they don't they they just reverberate in my head and um i really have always appreciated the investment you've made in in my life and just being willing to sit back and talk today
1: is just continuing in that investment and i appreciate it oh it's been a delight it really is so hard to uh to put it into words but these are the kinds of things that um uh, you know i guess allow you to center yourself again and recognize how god really is fashioning all of us right and um and it does take uh people um to, to recognize that you can't do that in a vacuum so These are important days, Clark, and and 40 is young, so enjoy. All right. Thank you, my friend. All right.
0: Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast, Dealing with 40. I'd love to hear from you. Seriously, I want to hear about you, all right? Your questions, your issues, your struggles, your answers, all right, what you figured out. Where do you find rest? Where do you find peace? Hey, and if you have people you'd love for me to interview on the podcast, please reach out. All right, so my personal email, personal email, clarkvand at gmail.com. That's clarkvand, C-L-A-R-K, V as in victory, A, N as in Nancy, D as in David, clarkvand at gmail.com. All right, you can also go to dealingwith40.com. That's dealingwith40.com. I'd love it. Love it. If you'd share this podcast on social media, share it. And can I suggest the hashtag DealingWith40? Just share it and tag it. Hashtag DealingWith40. And please, please leave a five-star review of this podcast on iTunes or wherever you're listening. All right. If you go to DealingWith40.com, you can sign up to receive email updates from us as this project grows and evolves. Like, we'll see where it goes. If there's something you're looking for, if you've got an idea, please let me know. Again, email is clarkvand at gmail.com. All right, this podcast is a declaration, a plea, an invitation. All right, it's a declaration to live and seek my destiny, a declaration to become the very best version of myself and to do great things. It's a plea that you would be, please be patient with me and with others. Like I have issues. I'm insecure. Alright, please give me grace and know that if I say something foolish or do something wrong, like my heart, my heart's in the right place. Alright. And remember this of others too. Be kind. I'm guessing, I'm guessing that you have your issues too. So please, please let us affirm one another. Like I think we probably all spend enough time condemning ourselves. And this is an invitation to join me on the journey. Lean in with me. Share the lessons that you have learned, the perspective that you have gained. Listen to the wisdom shared by the people I interview as a part of this project and commit to being the very best version of yourself. All right, so remember, hashtag DealingWith40. All right, and sign up for email updates at DealingWith40.com. And again, I'm here for you. If you're processing this stuff as well, reach out and let's connect. All right, that's it. Have a great day.